0: How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to this week's edition of Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and indeed the world. Thank you for downloading from the website. It's uh, techcentral.ie or maybe you got the podcast uh, via your podcast app on your smartphone or indeed you could be listening to us on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the week ending Friday the 12th of November and we are still in recovery mode after a huge Huge web summit last week. As you know, we did an hour-long special show last week with uh, Niall Kitson, the editor of TechCentral.ie, running around the floor of Web Summit, meeting with a load of Irish companies there to network and meet with investors. And it was just stunning uh, the quality and the quantity of ideas and everything that was going on there. Um, this week, because we had so many interviews last week, we want to keep this one uh, kind of a little bit separate and a little bit special. It's an extended interview recorded at the summit with the managing director of. Silicon Valley Robotics uh, whose name is Andra Key. Now if you don't know already Silicon Valley Robotics is a professional organisation made up of companies who research and they build robots in the Greater Bay Area in San Francisco. And what they do is just wow. It's just like the Will Smith movie iRobot all that kind of stuff it's like Now as well as organising events for startups, investors and researchers, and along with building robots and researching, um, they produced some fascinating reports on the state of the robotics industry right now in 2015. So with that in mind, Niall sat down with Andrew to have a chat about where we are with robots and how much we should want them to be able to do. Here's Niall.
2: I'm speaking with uh, Andrew Key now. Uh, who is the Managing Director of Silicon Valley Robotics and one of the keynote speakers here at the Web Summit. Uh, And I guess to start about uh, describing your work, you're on the applied end of of robotics, but you're also particularly interested in sort of the the ethical and the ideological implications of living with and using robots.
1: That's correct. In fact, I really started out with that as my primary interest, but I realized that staying in an academic setting meant that you were always finding out too late what was coming towards us in the fu- for the future. And I was very interested in understanding the processes by which we commercialized some research, perhaps over other uh, products. So... Um, Forming an industry group for robotics was a fantastic opportunity to get up close to that really pivotal stage where things come out of research and head into the real world.
2: Uh, One of the topics that you were uh, talking about or one of the ideas you were advancing actually in your keynote speech was the idea of the blended reality that uh, we're not going to be in a world where robots are necessarily tools but almost but not quite a peer-to-peer relationship with technology.
1: This is a concept um, that Heidegger talked about when he said that the tool becomes an invisible extension of ourselves and of our intent. So we can transition from seeing something as a tool to finding it's an extension of ourselves as we're using it and we have this blended experience with technology and robotics is adding extra layers which is both um, a positive thing but also something that is going to be a it's really going to be a bit confusing to us.
2: I think the, your mentioning of Heidegger there is particularly interesting, uh, especially when you also look at the work of Husserl in phenomenology, where you're sort of trying to figure out the whatness the uh, of an item. Is the idea of discovering the robotness of a robot uh, a big challenge?
1: Look, I think it is, and I love these discussions. Um, I'm definitely leaning very much to the idea that we need embodiment to develop any sorts of consciousness, the strong AI feeling. But we're still very, very far away from these kind of theoretical discussions in terms of what we're actually building. It's sometimes quite staggering to realise just how rudimentary our knowledge is of what it is to be human. And that's something I'm continually reminded of as we try and create... Artificial or proxy beings in the most you know simple of fashions. We've got, um, but we're starting to develop tools that allow us to better understand how people work. We build in materials that are not equivalent, and so obviously, what we do when we build robots is uh, is not a parallel process. And again, this just highlights the difference that. The physics, of uh, the fundamental physics uh, involved is so different. The end result has to be something quite different. And here's the challenge, of course. We're creating now robots that are moving out of the industrial areas and they're becoming increasingly collaborative and social. And so to design interactions that people understand and can use easily involves placing these kind of translational layers together and it leads to this blended reality.
2: Uh, I guess one of the things that has worked in favor of the field of robotics is the fact that we are starting with um, devices that l- don't look human in the slightest, that uh, we're kind of able to start with very basic um, basic technology and then layer sort of the human on top of it as the technology and the design advances. And um, Do you think that has been an advantage or has it really not had an impact on how we interact with technology now?
1: Very few people are creatively using... Technologies that we have available now. I'm excited about what's happening with soft robotics, uh, in the ability to create more conformable uh, structures and to change, you know, some some of the fundamental, I guess, skeleton issues around robotics. And it's if you study the history of robots and automata, automata, then you go back to people building very detailed, pseudo-lifelike models of people using whatever materials they had to hand. And we've kind of continued this tradition where we've tried to build human on the outside and the inside has been very different. And so it excites me now to see, you know, a, a change in direction in some sense, that we're looking fundamentally at changing some of our building blocks. But at the same time, I also think we're achieving some sophistication in that superficial human layer, that that kind of skin, the animation, and that has been through developments in smartphone technologies, natural language processing, and animation. There is a cool project that creates an illusion of human face for a robot that I love because it's projecting a face onto a blank mask and that's fur hat out of sweden i believe uh they just came over to silicon valley and came to one of our network events and pulled out their robot and gave us a demo uh, It was a great event and um, one of the things about being in silicon valley is that we're a really central hub for robotics uh, because of the strength of the venture and investment community, the software community and the startup community. And it's been a, a new thing in robotics for startup and venture communities to be playing such uh, an important role. But that's a change I've certainly seen over the last five years.
2: And that's a, a growing role. I think there's a very interesting relationship between science fiction and the field of robotics. I mean, they're kind of growing up together over the, over the last few years. Uh, in terms of, say, a, a seminal work like Rossum's Universal Robots or, or Asimov's uh, Three Rules, to which extent are these actually informing um, the field of robotics? Is it, is, it, is it, you know, that's fiction? Or is this the building blocks that, you know, okay, we can explore robotics in this, in this way?
1: Science fiction is an incredibly powerful sketchbook for imagination and it serves as a sketchbook for builders. I talk to roboticists about their influences and almost everyone cites science fiction and they cite certain um, classic science fiction and I find this really interesting and a little problematic because it tends to be fixated in a certain... um, male-centric, engineering-heavy, classic science fiction reference set, and I'm aware of more recent writers that were moving into more biologic or uh, into some other directions that I also think are are really good um, templates for design, but by and large, the classic references, uh, you R.U.R., and Asimov's iRobot, and some of the Heinlein works, and Arthur C. Clarke, they come up over and over again, and uh, I came from a more theoretical background where we were really deconstructing what that sort of robotics was, Um, but that is still an influential thing, I I do think it's interesting that people who talk about rights or regulations for robots still refer to Asimov's three rules. Because if you read Asimov's stories, they were all about how the three rules don't work. And so it's more of a... I don't know that that's the example we want to be following.
2: (laughs) Well, then to sort of look at it from a, a slightly different perspective, I mean, we do have different explorations of uh, of the robot or the android. In particular, uh, Ex Machina over the past year, I think it's been sort of a very interesting uh, thought experiment in uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, is is this um, sort of a, a subset of the field um, that I, that I guess will evolve along with the engineering?
1: I hope so. In fact, I think we had... We've had a very rich last couple of years in terms of representations of robots and artificial intelligence. And I haven't seen all of the films. that I've been told there's a couple that um, I must go and see. But I certainly did see Ex Machina and Chappie and Big Hero 6 um, and Real Steel and um, a, a couple of other ones. And they each highlight a different... Aspect of robotics. Um, one of the ones that I really enjoyed was the documentary about robot competitions and the role that they were playing in high school and university. And I certainly see that firsthand. And it's um, it was really good to see that as a film. I thought Ex Machina was a fabulous movie, and I loved having those concepts around. I think the integrity of identity, no matter what created or caused or where that identity had come from, needs to be explored. Um, And I like the fact that the film was able to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek about its um, somewhat sexist uh, nature. (laughs) Uh, And then you have something like Chappie, which is kind of really entertaining and heartwarming and visually I found the robot had a lot of reference points but in terms of the abilities uh, I I loved the child learning aspect of that because I certainly see that being explored in research settings Mm -hmm. But then when you add the incredible dynamic balance and ability to leap and some of the other things, you just go, "Yep, that's not happening anytime soon.
2: (laughs) Well, it it is an interesting thing in the portrayal of the robot that there is this purity and this naivety that um, the human adult takes 18 years or whatever to develop a mathematical, a philosophical competency where a robot can be pre-programmed with that competency but not have the life experience to get over that childlike naivety uh, I, I guess this speaks to how we will interact with robots where we might end up treating robots as adults and use them in fairly adult settings uh, but not appreciate that you know even the sentient robot understanding is very different. Uh, do Do you think this is a serious ethical concern as robots move into sort of more adult-oriented roles? In particular, you chaired a panel there on the use of robots in the sex industry.
1: Again, I think the idea of robots achieving any form of kind of consciousness or sentience or identity is still an impossibility. It's not anywhere in our near future, but in terms of exploring the concept, um, looking at the ethics of this, there's a lot of science fiction that talks about clones, and if you think about Blade Runner as an example, those raise the issues that you talked about, um, about more or less being born fully grown, or having shared experiences. Uh, what is is actually you, what is implanted, what is constructed, and I think there's one aspect of that that we are close to, and again, it doesn't relate to consciousness or identity, but it relates to knowledge, it relates to privacy, it relates to security, and that's cloud robotics, and that's a term that's getting really popular and is bandied about a heck of a lot, but... In practice, it's going to be used selectively. Uh, The cloud is not an answer for every problem in robotics. And in fact, the cloud is not the place where you want your connected home or connected device to be using heavily for anything that involves uh, real-time navigation or perception or um, decision-making. But people are getting very good at how do you say, factoring out actions into what is critical real time, what isn't. And that includes uh, also what is private and what is insecure and what is secure. And looking at how connectivity uh, can be a really great thing. It can expand processing. It can uh, provide access to huge data sets. It can do a lot, but it can't do everything, and it shouldn't do a lot of things. But philosophically, there is one significant change, and we talk about robots, robots and Computers, uh, artificial intelligence uh, is really quite rudimentary until harnessing the power of huge data sets. But what connectivity does allow is that as uh, computers gain competence in, or as one computer achieves competence, all similar computers can achieve that competence. This can be shared in a way that we haven't really mastered sharing that sort of level of experienced competency with people. So I don't know if we fully appreciate how quickly things can improve, even though the original improvement might be very slow and take a long time coming once we get there we'll be able to replicate that pretty quickly.
2: Do you think one of the principal barriers to that sort of um, connection is sort of on the human side and primarily uh, political, where you have countries going, yes, we we, we have the capacity to collaborate, um, but we have certain sensitivities, particularly in terms of defence. If you look back at the example of the Star Wars project, which faltered primarily because the Soviets said, well, we we don't have that kind of thing. Uh, Are we going to see that sort of... um, I don't want to call it an arms race, but that that level of tension in how countries collaborate in developing better AI.
1: I do wonder if we're not getting close to a global world where country borders are no longer uh, as powerful a construct as they have been in our past. And that's an issue that's raised not so much with robots, but with telepresence and with the distributed workforce. And obviously this has implications with robotics and how you can work particularly with telepresence robots or robots using physical control at a distance. But that's a computer problem at heart. And if you start a business in Australia and then um, sell to clients in the US and do that with part-time labour from Poland. Where Where is that doing business? Where does that actually exist?
2: So I guess just to, to round off, where are robotics today? Uh, to strip away the theoretical and, and the far future. Are we looking at the the telepresence droid who's waiting in line for the iPhone for somebody? Are we looking at, you know, the, the robot that brings you a towel in your hotel room? Where exactly are we?
1: Those are interesting examples. Definitely a hotel delivery robot because I think that's something we've tested and we know that it meets a certain need at a certain time. The telepresence droid waiting in line for the new iPhone, that's one of the examples where when people talked about an outdoors delivery robot, my first thought is that robot's not going to not gonna survive. You know, if people will not treat it with the same respect or care plus an outdoor environment is remarkably difficult in terms of navigation and uh, just dealing with all of the the, uh, irregularities and and changes in the environment. So you go that's not a good use case and there have been a few interesting experiments in in human robot interaction around how people relate to robots and generally speaking we're um, quite polite but if you put a robot device into the wrong situation, it's out. It's usually it's it's out of context, and uh, we need to learn how to interact with robot devices. And this is why they usually enter our world in quite incremental ways, in ways where their presence is something that becomes easy for us to. Work out what it's there for, why it's why it's there, what it's doing, and how it's going to be interacting with us. What impact it might have, you know, on something as simple as I just want to get up and walk down the corridor. What is this thing? How how is it going to to um, relate to me? How important is it to me? Uh, so robotics is going to roll out in incremental ways. There is, it's just not going to be a big, sudden, strange change and it's going to be very pragmatic there is really no business case for doing anything with robots that isn't something we find valuable that really we want and that might in most cases be augmenting human workforces for the jobs that we already have a lot of trouble getting people to do And I can't ever state this enough. Robots are stupid. They really are. Even if they're incredibly smart in very narrow areas, (laughs) it's a big thing for a robot to go up and down stairs. And every two-year-old has mastered that particular skill. We do so many things that are essential both in the workforce and in daily life, that are beyond the scope of any robot. We are not going to be replaced for the majority of things that humans do. But there are things that we still do in our lives that we don't do terribly well and that can cause us injury, uh, that at the very least are incredibly boring that, well, you know, at the moment we basically pay people to do it and it's, in the past we used to have servants and slaves. There are things that I think we're going to enjoy having machines do. But if it's something that I personally enjoy doing, well, there is, that's something that I'm going to continue to do and it's going to be very hard for someone to start a business trying to build a machine to take that over because for one I wouldn't buy it thank you Andra. thank you it's been a pleasure
0: and that was Niall Kitson talking with Silicon Valley Robotics Managing Director Andrew Kay. If you want to know more about Silicon Valley and robotics and after listening to that, how can you not? Uh, their website is svrobo.org makes sense, Silicon Valley uh, svrobo.org definitely well worth a look. That's our show for this week. Do remember you can get hourly updates on tech news here in Ireland along with daily newsletters from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show on and every Friday at 6 p.m. on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time for myself Dusty students thanks so much for listening. Take care. Excellent. Get Tech Radio.
1: Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at TechCentral.ie.
0: Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Productions.com. Tech